This is Brian Bailey from Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'm joined with Mark Sweeney from Windermere, Florida. We are your guides to this episode of In the Hunt. We are going to bring clarity to this complex game of golf and help you reach your next level of performance. So if you're ready to step up your game, join us on The Hunt. Welcome to this week's episode of In the Hunt. This is Brian Bailey here in Charlottesville, Virginia, and of course, joined Mark Sweeney down in Windermere, Florida. Today, we have a really exciting subject for uh, some of you. Um, we're going to talk green reading. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the highlights of what it takes to perform on the putting green, and, and probably the one question we get the most is how to train green reading, what is it, and how can I be better at it? So uh, this is a great podcast, and of course, we have the expert in green reading, Mark Sweeney with us. Mark, what's going on? Uh, just doing my thing, you know, I've been busy, been doing a lot of, uh, GameForge stuff lately, a lot of database work, a lot of, uh, statistical analysis for some players, some really cool stuff on, uh, scoring and par fives and go for it, um, analysis and where people score the best from. So really cool stuff. Uh, some, uh, requests I got from some tour players that came in to kind of analyze their game. Um, cause it's not really always that straightforward as to why, you know, one part of your game gets better, but your score gets worse, you know, and you've got to say, okay, well, did something else degrade or did that the thing I think I was improving actually hurt me? And you got to kind of peel that onion apart and make sure you, you know, the answer correctly. Oh, very good. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's the most exciting thing about data is it's just, it's never ending. Um, you can start peeling back layers and really find it. But, but again, I think like kind of what we do in game forge and, and our, our sole purpose is to give you the answer. Let's, let's be able to take this to the golf course and understand how to get better. And let's kind of segue into green reading. Um, that's actually how I met Mark Sweeney. Oh gosh, it's been Long all over a decade now, maybe 50, closer to 15 years now. I met him, um, kind of my side story of how I found Aimpoint. Uh, I was a collegiate coach at the university of Virginia. Um, we had a really good young team. Our, um, head coach was with us. We're playing in, I'll never forget, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we played with the number one and three team in the country. We were number 12. We really felt good about ourselves. Uh, we teed it up, teed it green. I think we outplayed number one and three. But by the end of the tournament, I think we lost by 24 or 25 shots. Ooh. So basically, the coach and I figured out we've got to be better on and around the green. Um, me being a, a coach, thinking I could figure this out in a minute, I <laughs> bought a sand putt lab. Um, I, I actually worked with a custom putter manufacturer for a little bit to learn about, you know, the dynamics of the putter. And that's kind of where I met Mark. And he came up presenting at, at the University of Virginia um, and in the original system. And then kind of that's where I kind of fell in love with how to read the greens and starting to understand how to get players better. So I think one of the questions we always get, and I think this is really fascinating. So inside of putting, you got to be good with read, speed, and start line. And I really think it's that order, read, speed, start line. Uh, I think the hard part for most listeners is probably how do I train read without aim point? So let's just pull aim point out of it for a second. How do I, how do I actually train read if I don't have the ability uh, to understand, you know, if I'm just using my eyes, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't teach green reading outside of Aimpoint because I find that it's, it's too difficult and it's too random and you're just spinning your wheels and wasting a bunch of time. I mean, I suppose you go out and start getting a sense of how much slope there is and start doing some memorization, you know, if you're this far on this much slope at this green speed, it breaks about this much, but you know, you might get a little bit better, but it's, it's not particularly effective. You know, I tried it for years and never 
got me one ounce better. I've seen other players try to do that for years and years and years, and they never get better at green reading. And so there's just too many variables. You know, you know, two feet of difference changes your break enough to miss the hole. Um, one stimp in difference changes the break enough to miss the hole, you know, depending on how far away from the cup you are. Um, and so it's just too hard. Memorization alone is just – I just don't think it's effective. And, and there are some players who are very, very good at it, but, but not many. You know, you can count on one hand, you know, how many guys are spectacular green raiders who just look at it and they just know what the break is. And, and as a coach, that's not something you can train, I don't think. Like, you know, if you ask a great green reader, a great putter, like, how do you do it? They're like, I don't know. I just, don't you see what I see? No, I don't see what you see. You know, they can't transmit that, that skill to somebody else. And we as coaches have to be able to take the skill and give it to somebody who doesn't have it. And, and outside of Aimpoint, I honestly don't know any effective way to do green reading, to learn green reading. Yeah, I think it's a lot like in basketball, the point guard, right? You know, what, you didn't see that pass? Like the greats just see the floor differently and are able to do things differently. And then that, that's why I always say that it's never a great, and a great player that was a great coach because they saw it differently. And they go, why can't you see this happening in real time? And, the, you know, the player just like, I got no chance. So uh, I think that's really fascinating. I don't think Isaiah and, Thomas was a great coach. Uh, well, we don't even talk about Isaiah Thomas. And, Definitely don't want to talk about him in the boardroom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I think uh, I think this is really fascinating. The fact that what kind of drove me to to Aimpoint was a way to be able to teach green reading because I, you know, in, in college golf and golf in general, one shot so important. How can I make up one shot? And you know, the one thing we thought of at Virginia, if we could be the best green readers, um, we could be one of the best teams in the country. You know, maybe we wouldn't strike it as well, or maybe couldn't do this as well or that as well. But if we figured we could go to every golf course and outperform you on the putting green with reads, that we were always in a chance. And I think that was a big piece. Um, and I know it drove a lot of clinics for us here at Virginia about college coaches coming to learn that. But I think what's the fascinating part is if you don't have a way, whatever you do, you need to do it. You got to create a system, you know, a system to get better. You know, whatever your system for green reading, that's great. What, you know, whatever technology or whatever you're trying to use. But to me, I think green, green reading was simplified and has been simplified over the years by Aimpoint. So let's kind of pull back a little bit and go, how did Aimpoint start? And kind of the evolution, where did we move from one piece to one piece to, to the point of the express read and what, what Aimpoint is today? So kind of an open question for you, Mark, is what were you smoking to learn it, to come up with Aimpoint? <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was probably on the golf course after about 12 beers and missing every single putt. And, uh, and it just dawned on me, frankly, that this was no good and nobody was able to teach it to me. And, you know, the, the early part of the story is not that interesting because basically I, you know, I actually made a, a, a um, phone for a phone app back in the old days on the HP Palm pilot. And, um, didn't really work because it wasn't a sunlight, sunlight readable screen. It was just difficult. You didn't know exactly where the pin was. So I kind of bailed on that pretty quickly and then um, did the TV stuff. And the TV stuff, you know, was highly technical, had to be extremely, extremely accurate. And that was great because, you know, we had to get the physics exactly right for any golf course, any putt, any player, any conditions anywhere in the world. Uh, and we did. But the problem was you couldn't use that as a golfer. And so the hard work was really saying, how do I take what the computer can figure out and use as a golfer with no additional equipment, no maps, no, no nothing. Um, and that, that led to a series of reads that we came up with. And, you know, the fascinating thing that a lot of people don't get is, you know, so we, did, we did progress through a certain number of reads. And some of the reads are really cool. Like the break line reads a cool read, but it's, it's really hard. Um, 
it's really hard to do consistently when you're, when you're wrong, you can be very, very wrong. And so, you know, probably the interesting thing part about the progression is why did we stop using a read that at the time was actually pretty effective. You know, there was a number of reads that people loved it. And I was like, well, we have a, we have a better way to do it. So we have to move to a better way. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, but I like this read. Well, okay, but it's going to break down in certain situations. And, and that's where I learned a ton about green reading is you might have a certain, you know, method that works pretty well 90% of the time. It just blows up in your face 10% of the time. Like, well, okay, that's okay, but it's not great. And if we can get that 10% blow up to 5% blow up to 1% blow up, then that's what we need to do. Um, and I got a lot of pushback in the industry. Um, got a lot, had a lot, a lot, a lot of resistance all along the way, even some, some from, uh, from some of my own uh, instructors. Um, to keep progressing this to the point it is now. I think, I think kind of let's uh, cycle back when you were on the TV, you know, you had the blue line on golf channel. What was the actual complexity of drawing that line? I know it looks pretty simple when you're looking at, but, but how were you able to tag where the pin was? How were you able to tag where the golfer was? You know, what was the complexity of that? And then maybe even tie that into the complexity of someone trying to use a green book, thinking that they can basically create that same line. Yeah, that, that's actually a great question. The, the complexity of the soft, the Aimpoint software itself was you had to get the stimp right and you had to get the wind right. And if you got the stimp and the wind right, the software worked pretty darn well. But the wind, if the wind was gusting up and down, I actually had a real-time wind meter out on the tower by the green that was feeding me real-time wind information, which helped. But you still had to kind of stick your finger in the air once in a while and make your best guess as to what the wind was doing, um, which, which I got pretty good at after a while. Um, and then stimp, you just had to adjust. I mean, I, you had to get the stimp dialed into about a half a foot accurate for the line to be accurate. Now, the hard part about it was actually pinpointing the ball and keeping the line on the screen as the camera was moving. And that technology is extraordinarily complicated. It comes from uh, spy satellite technology. So imagine you you're have a, a satellite that identifies a car with terrorists in it somewhere on the earth, and you have to pinpoint within 10 feet exactly where on the face of the planet that car is so that you can send a, a missile at it right and so it's all trigonometry you know where the satellite is you know you're pointing at a certain angle for a certain distance and where that intersects the earth is where that car is well it's the same thing with the camera you know where the camera sits in 3d space you um you know what angle it's pointing and you and you know where it basically intersects the green and then you can do the trigonometry on it and say the ball's at this coordinate and the holes at this coordinate um what I can tell you from experience is that if we got the ball or the hole off by a foot or two, it, it would blow the line, you know, and this leads to the green books. And that's why identifying where you are in the green books is so difficult and why it's such kind of a scary proposition because we had to be, you know, we had to get that line accurate to, you know, an inch or two basically makeable. Um, and I know if the calibration of the camera got off and we thought the hole was one place and it was really a couple feet different, the line didn't work. We actually, if the calibration got, got corrupted on the camera, we'd have to throw that hole out and go work on a different hole, literally. Um, and so now imagine you're a golfer and you're using a green book and you're looking at this fairly small piece of paper and you're trying to pinpoint where the ball is on that small piece of paper within a foot or two, like good luck. You know, that, that is, that, that's, that's a lot of guesswork in there. And that's, what, that's one thing I don't like about the green books. I do like them for an overall idea of what's going on. But if you're trying to read your putt perfectly off a green book, you're, you're crazy. And there's a lot of crazy out there. There's a lot of crazy. There's no shortage <laughs> of crazy. Yeah, so I think this is really fascinating. So, so you had this TV product and you said, all right, when, did, when was the day that you said, hey, I think I could actually create a way to teach this to people? Was there an epiphany? Like, 
how did you kind of come up with that idea? I could actually take this to the masses. Uh, somebody I was working with at the time actually said, you know, because we learned so much through the TV, he's like, you know, you should write a book about what you've learned. I'm like, oh, that's, that's actually a decent idea. Um, I actually wrote one like 10 years ago, never published it because it kept changing, everything kept changing every year. So it's all, all that information is just lurking out there in a book that was never published. Well, maybe one um, day we should make some videos on that, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then uh, a tour player, um, asked, you know, just said, you know, I need some help green reading as the first tour player I ever taught. And he was like, you know, we were working around the hole and he's like, you know, what would be really great rather than saying, you know, the putt breaks more here and less here. He goes, I'd like to know exactly how much. And that led to the first aim chart. So the first clock circular angular aim chart came because a player said, I just, I, I know it breaks more here. That's, that's great. But I need to know, is it six inches or nine inches? Yeah. And so then I calculated that that must've been 2005, maybe, you know, basically calculated the aim chart and gave it to him to start working with. And then that led to the process of, okay, how do you know what distance does this work at? What do you do when the greens change direction? What do you do with different slopes? Blah blah blah. All the complexities that creep in on that. But that was the original genesis, is, which is a lot of the stuff we do. The original genesis is a player or student says, "Can you do this?" Or I would love it if you could give me this. Right? And then we go out and crunch it. Yeah, I think, and I think what's really cool is the the initial. I came around. When you said two thousand five. Let's see. I came, I came to Virginia in 2005. So I think I met you around 2007, 2008, yeah, right, yeah. somewhere in that ballpark. Um, but I think the fascinating part is uh, the system was very complex in the beginning um, yeah. with the aim chart and understanding complexity and the training component of that was you really had to put in time to get better and better and better at it. So again, kind of thinking back to, you know, what was the genesis? How, how, what, what was kind of the anchor point of the, of that, uh, the aim chart, like how to do it. And then kind of your progression to how we've gotten to, to the express read of today. Yeah. Well, the original aim chart, you know, kind of made the assumption that the, you know, you had a fairly planar surface through the hole and that you could draw your fall line through the hole. That was pretty straight. And then you work around it like a clock and, you know, from a simplistic point of view, yeah, it's easy to work with, you know, but as you teach this more and more, you realize you almost never have the situation where the fall line goes straight through the hole. Almost never, because that's not how they make green. So, so we had all these situations where the, the, the fall line would kind of come down from one or two o'clock and go through the hole and then go down through six o'clock. So one side of the, one side of the green was, one side of the pin was more than 80, 180 degrees and the other side was less than 180 degrees. And so if you have 210 degrees on one side of the green, on one side of the pin, where's 30 degrees where's 90 like it was just all this stuff that seems really technical but it actually made a difference it would actually screw the read up and i found that that was the rule more than the exception and so i was like ah you know this 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 helps a lot of people get much better at green reading but you know i was working with enough tour players and people were playing for money where you couldn't be pretty good you had to be really good with the reads and so i found that you know at certain distances it worked great certain situations it worked great in other situations it didn't work great. It kind of broke down on you. And so I was never satisfied with that. I was never satisfied with it works 75% of the time, you know, it just wasn't good enough. And so, so that led me away to the, away from the original aim chart. You know, the aim chart actually didn't change, but our read changed to the midpoint read. So rather than finding the, the fall line and straight through the hole, which is fraught with all kinds of problems, we'd find the angle through the middle of the putt, which actually resolved a lot of problems, actually made it made the read much more accurate. 
Um, but the hard part of that is just, it was kind of unnatural because you were aligning your body up the slope regardless of where the hole was. And people really struggled with that. You know, I, I always said it take, took about six months to get good at the, the midpoint reusing a chart. You know, I could do it in two seconds, but I did it for years. But, you know, if somebody didn't give it six months or more, they just bail out. And how many golfers, you know, are going to work on something for six months to get good at it other than length? Less than 1%. <laughs> Less than 1%. Not, not, not a whole lot. If they're not seeing results, you know how it is, right? If you're a tour player, you're not seeing results quickly. You're, you're, you're going to bail before the six-month time period. And there were some players who did it. You know, Stacey Lewis used it for a long time. Uh, Scott McCarron still uses the chart to this day. There's other people who still use it and like it. And like the the definition of a number, you know, because the nice thing about the number is it adjusts for uphill and downhill. So if you have a downhill downhill out three, it'll tell you exactly what the difference in break is versus with the express read. It's a little more feel feel related. So the, the you know the 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 chart read was a the midpoint read was a good read, but it was hard to learn. Um, some people just kind of blew their minds, um, and I had to go away with it because there were, because we weren't getting enough traction where people weren't sticking with it long enough. Like they'd learn it, they'd go, oh, that's really cool, but you wouldn't see it doing it six months or a year later. And so that, that wasn't good. You know, if you were a kid and you were trying to learn this and not sticking with it, it's not really going to help you long-term. And that kind of forced us into searching for a new read. And it took probably a year and a half before the express presented itself where we were kind of struggling saying, how do we simplify this? How do we have fewer variables? How do we take the complexity out of it? And I couldn't think of anything for the longest time. I was like, I, I just don't know. Like I do not know how to make this easier and then, uh, as I say, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, I had to go teach eight-year-old kids who didn't know what angles works. So they hadn't learned angles in school. So you couldn't say 30 degrees to the slope because they didn't know what that meant. And, you know, as, as it worked out, you know, we came up with this method using the fingers. And, and that actually transformed beautifully into almost an exact replication of what the chart tells you. You know, but it's a natural read because you're you're facing you're facing uh, the hole, you're facing the line of your putt, you're feeling in your feet. You're, it's visual. It's not numeric. You're not saying play 51 inches of break. You're saying play three fingers. Um, it adjusts for green speed. It adjusts for any length of putt. Um, it just does so many things more naturally. And what we found is that people just putted better with that read. You know, even though on paper it's technically a little less accurate, the performance is better. And that was that was a big learning for me. No, I think that, yeah, I think, I think it's the exciting part that, you know, being around Aimpoint for so long, going from a very complex system to a very, I would say even some people think it's too easy of a system. Like there's not enough complexity, yeah. like, you know, and I, I always find that funny, like, you know, the search to make things simpler, to apply it easier, to make it more functional. You know, at some point there's always a, a, a number of people that will say, well, it's just too easy or it can't work that well. And I think it's just fascinating to watch the growth of the read and how simple and and again you know that that understanding of of how simple green reading can be if you allow it to be um so i want to kind of circle back real quick before we get into express and, and pieces of that you kind of talked about fall lines and, yeah. and i know as a golf coach uh, fall lines drive me nuts uh, when i have players and don't don't quite understand what a fall line is or think a fall line goes 60 feet there's even uh uh, certain companies out there that provide green software that have six fall lines on the same cup, you know, so, so, yeah. what is, so give me a good definition of what the fall line is and, yeah, and I, how, how it can be used and, and how people misunderstand that. I, I have, I, I have beat my head against the wall for so many years trying to explain 
what's a fall line versus a zero line, you know, cause we, so, so a fall line on paper is, is the line that goes perpendicular to the contour. So it's basically, you take any little section of green. So let's say we take a one foot section of the green. It's wherever you're, where, whatever points directly down the hill. So, so if you have a contour map, it's going perpendicular. They also use the word orthogonal. It's orthogonal to the slope, which basically means, you know, if it was the roof of your house, it would be, you know, going straight down the steepest part of the roof of your house. That's what the fall line is. If you divide the whole green into one foot sections, every one foot, you would, that would change directions a little bit and go all the way up the green, go all the way off the green. Now, here's where people go wrong on this. So the fall line's the most common thing people talk about, but I, you know, I came up with something called the zero line, which, uh, is a result of running a bunch of simulations on a computer, which is similar to the fall line, but it's not the fall line. So the zero line, you know, close to the hole is on top of the fall line, but the zero line is where you aim straight at the hole. All right, so five, six feet from the hole, it's, they're gonna overlay right on top of each other. But as you get farther from the hole, the only way you get a in the as you get farther from the hole and the green is curving, right? So greens don't go straight from one point to another point. They, they take a roundabout route, they curve, they're like a river. They, they curve because that's how architects design them. As the green starts curving, if you put, for, like, let's say you're 20 feet below the hole, if you put from the fall line, technically the ball's gonna break because you're catching a, curves, uh, a curving left or curving right section. The zero line is where you shift off of the fall line and balance out a double breaking putt so your aim is straight. So, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you understand, it's, it's a little bit of a hard concept to understand, but if you own the green, it's actually pretty easy to, to demonstrate. So the zero line is a really cool concept because if you're in certain parts of the green, you could be 50 feet away. And Brian, you and I had a putt at Birdwood that was 60 feet. And I was right down at the bottom of the zero line. I go, I'm going to make this. I'm going straight at it. And I made it. I don't know if you remember that. I did. On that really steep part there. But it was such an easy read because I knew geometrically where I was stand, where my ball was on the green. I knew how to read zero lines. I knew I was basically right on straight. Um, meaning it was a straight, it was a double breaking putt that you aim straight. Um, and it was an easy read, just banged right into not spending time with it. So they're, so they're cool. Um, they're kind of magical. If you understand them, you just kind of like, it kind of freaks people out when they see it because you know, what they also don't understand is a ball rolling down the hill takes a different path than a ball rolling back up the hill to the same spot. Right. So it might break three feet coming down the hill and might be dead straight back up the hill to the hole. And people don't seem to get that. Um, which is another reason also why you can't just watch the ball roll past the, the cup and say, play the opposite break on the way back. That is just absolute disaster. Um, putts are almost always straighter coming back up the hill, not, not just because they're running faster, but because they're trying to gravitate into your fall line or close to your fall line. So you're going to get a much straighter putt. Um, so people get that wrong all the time. I used to teach it all the time. People loved it, you know, but it, but it was hard to, it was hard to get really good at using them because yeah. greens have so much character and so many shapes and, and shoulders and, and saddles and things like that, that the shape of those lines can get very complicated. Um, it was something that I, that we taught early on. You remember certification program, you know, we taught it and it, it took a while to get like it's it PhD green reading and it's really, really cool, but it is not obvious. The first time somebody shows it to you, it'll just, it'll just wreck your brain. Um, I remember Stacy Lewis, I showed it to her when she first came to, to work with me years ago and uh she said she had a headache for three days afterwards but then but then but then the light turned on you know what i mean yeah. but but that was kind of the that was kind of the thing like yeah it's really cool but it's it's hard to learn um takes a while to learn and most people won't push through that and if you get it wrong 
if you miss misestimate uh, where you are relative to a zero line, you are dead. You can misread a putt like by miles. Yeah, I I know at Birdwood there's there was about two of them that I knew where they are, and I would used to start clinics or if I had a player that thought they could read the green well, I'd put it on that position so it was a dead straight putt. And I'd be like, read it for me, and they'd be like, ah, it breaks you know three four feet right, and I'm like, okay. Go ahead, put it three, four feet right, and then they miss. I go, all right, just aim straight at the hole and see what happens. And they either make it or, you know, they miss it, like, extremely close. And you're just like, well, good luck. You know, had to do you that, need yeah. to understand this concept. <laughs> it um, had to do that. But like, yeah, I'll so you, I, like, if I have a player who I've worked a lot with and they understand Express and they're really good green readers, we, we will get into that just to kind of deepen their level of understanding. Because if you understand it, you are absolutely a better green reader. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, for me, it's kind of like, uh, you know um, – you, you you get to learn it. It's it's a need to know basis only. Like I don't just teach it. I'm like if you really need to know it, or if you really want to know it, okay. But only after you've mastered the basics. Only yeah. after you've mastered the express read, then I'll show you some cool stuff. But not before then. No, I'll never forget. We were at a, actually LSU one year, and I was caddying for one of our players, and she hit it to the front of the green. The pin was back on this third shelf, all the way up, and I, it was still back in the midpoint read. And I was kind of starting to read, and I'm like, oh, hell, we're right on a zero line. And uh, I told her, I go, Ed, aim dead center at the cup. And she goes, there's no way. I go, trust me. And she did. And she lifted it out from like 60 feet. And it was, a sh- you know, it, it moved left to right all the way up. But it, it was a way net there, straight yeah. putt, which was absolutely. And she just looked at me like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And, of course, she didn't want to learn more. She says, why? I have you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've, used, I've used it a couple times, you know, back in the beginning. If Sometimes you get a, a group of like um, – players who think they kind of know everything already and you can give them a, a you know a zero line example and roll the ball down the hill and say okay what break would you play back up the hill and they always get it wrong yeah they always always get it wrong and once you understand it it's so easy you know and it's and you got to be careful because there's a, there's another concept out there called the zbl which is zero break line it's not the same thing it's an absolute tragedy that they're called kind of same things you know mine's mine's called zero line because on a computer if you simulate all the putts on the green and and create a map of it there's a line that goes through the hole that's labeled zero (laughs) right so ergo zero line right the zbl (laughs) is basically the same as the fall line um it basically when you're close to the hole where you're aiming straight but it's only it only works for maybe up to five or six feet around the hole and that's it 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 doesn't go any farther than that so with the midpoint read, that is kind of where I think Aimpoint really started to hit its stride, where people really started to try to implement. Um, go back to kind of the beginning of the midpoint when it kind of came about and, and talk with some of the players that you work with. Like what, what were areas that you saw great improvement with it and areas where, um, again, that drove you to, to be better, uh, how, how you kind of parried out of that. But, but what did you learn from the midpoint and the players? And then it, just some funny stories because I'm sure you have a couple. Oh yeah, my memory's so bad. Yeah, midpoint. You know, midpoint was a improved read over because it was a better way to use the chart. The chart is the chart, right? The chart, the chart works, um, but it was an improvement of how to get the number to get the angle correct. You know, because you really want the angle, and this this led directly to the express read. Is you really want to know what angle is the ball rolling across on its way to the hole, not relative to the hole, not relative to the fall line, but as the ball is rolling across the green. So for instance, if you take the Aimpoint software, you know, it breaks the putt up into tiny, tiny little squares and it says what angle is it rolling across each one of these tiny, tiny little squares and adds those all up and you end up with a break. Um, we obviously are not going to do that on, you know, multi, you know, a thousand times per putt like the software does. We can do it once or twice. 
And so the midpoint read got a much cleaner read, meaning it got the angle more correct. And it was great on kind of bigger angles, you know, 30 degrees up to 90 degrees. It was, it was good, but on really shallow angles, it could be very difficult. Like if you're just off the fall line and you're just a little bit like inside, right, inside, left, it was kind of hard to figure that out sometimes. Um, and so the biggest thing I saw with players is pe- players would do it and they'd be pretty good. But if they got on screens that seemed more complicated, like, so for instance, the, the one I'm thinking of is St. Andrews, right? So, so the old course of St. Andrews, I had players saying, yeah, I use aim point, but it, I can't use it at St. Andrew at the old course because the greens are, or it doesn't work on those greens. And I remember going, that makes no sense at all. Like, like I get, it'd be really difficult using zero lines on those, but as far as using the aim trial, like, Slope is slope. And, and, and it just, it really frustrated me, but because the greens were either more subtle or had more movement in them, um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't apply the same concepts and they wouldn't do the midpoint read. They just threw it out. And that's, and that drove me crazy. I'm like, it, it, it is what it is. I've used it at the old course. It works fine. Um, but I'd see people get a little bit confused when the green gets really flat, they really weren't sure which way was up and which way was down sometimes. And, and I didn't like that from a performance point of view. I don't like to see players confused on the green. I don't like to see them searching for things and looking for things and trying to figure out up and down. Like that's not how you perform optimally. You, you need to be quick and efficient and confident and natural. And, and it was kind of breaking down in that situation. And so, um, so that, that, that bothered me, you know, and it, it was, it was, I mean, we did the midpoint read for three or four years, I think before we switched over to the express read, but there was always a nagging, you know, voice in my head saying, we got to move on from this. We got it. We got it. We got to move on because not, you know, there's people who walked in the door that you could not teach the, the midpoint read to. It was just too much, too, too technical, too numeric, too complicated. Um, if you didn't have good eyes, you couldn't read the chart. You couldn't see the numbers on the chart. You know, I got that complaint a lot from, from club members. And so there were just too many little things that bothered me, even though there were players who were very successful with it. It wasn't enough. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, really, um, seeping into, there were some great players out there who I know could benefit from aim point information, but wouldn't just refuse to use the chart because it kind of freaked them out. You know, what I think is funny now is that everybody's kind of going back to charts yeah. yeah, you see more and more and more players going back to numeric charts, which we'll talk about. We can talk about next, but you know, when I, you know, I had I I put one of the first green books out there with slopes on it in 2005, and to a man, every player said it's too complicated. I can't putt with this. I lose all my feel. Get it away from me, you know. And now, now players all the way down to the college and junior level are buying you know laser scan green maps and trying to use them, and and they were barfing on it in 2005 when I showed it to it. Um, so kind of the same, the, kind of the same thing with these, you know, with these break charts, you know, you know, we can tell you how much the putt breaks from any distance, any angle, any stimp, any slope. Um, and when people were barfing on it 15 years ago, now they're start, people are starting to come back around and being like, well, I, I want your break charts and I want I want to know how much the ball is supposed to break from this distance and this angle and at stimp 13 and, you know, 12 feet away. Um, and I don't know if I'm a big fan of that or not, frankly. I don't know. I'm not at sorry uh, midpoint classes again. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, so I, but yeah. I've had people ask me to teach a midpoint. I said no. That's I right. Just I just, it's just too much work for me. I just don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I'd have to work hard on that. Going back and actually having to go uphill on the slope—that would be. A, I'd have to reteach myself of that for certain. Um, yeah. 
I think I think this is interesting because kind of here's the maturation of how how now all of a sudden here came the express tree. You're teaching some kids, you know, kind of got lucky on the fact that the finger and the percentage totally. stuff really really worked out well. Which sometimes way lucky luck is way a very lucky. good thing. Yeah. So now now you've introduced this. You you pushed it into the marketplace. People are looking at you like crazy. People are holding up fingers randomly around the world. People are going, what the heck's going on? Um, Marketing-wise, probably the biggest coup on earth, um, yeah. holding up fingers. But but really kind of tell tell the growth of Aimpoint once the express read was done, the growth, what people did, and just the amount of people that came to learn Aimpoint now. Yeah, I mean, the, what's great about the express reads, it's, it's simple to look, you learn. You can do it the minute you come out there. You know, we had tour players starting to use the express read that I never thought in my life would never be using the aim chart. And some of the early users were, you know, Adam Scott, Hunter Mahan, um, some other guys back then who were kind of more um, field players. I mean, you see lots of them now using it, you know. Um, but back then, it was um, – it was kind of shocking to see what players were actually willing to use the express read who refused to use the chart, who was like, I'll never in my life use that chart, forget it, no chance. And so the first year we came out, I, you know, it was funny because for the first six months it was out there, Adam Scott was using it and literally nobody on TV, no commentator even mentioned it. I don't think they knew what the hell he was doing because literally they didn't even talk about it for six months. He was using it as a masters as a defending champion and nobody said, what is he doing with his fingers? You know, they just kind of ignored it. And finally, they started talking about it. And people, you know, as, as always, when you come out with something new, they, you know, they laugh at it. And then they say you're stupid. And then eventually, you know, it becomes part of the industry. But our, our growth in, in students grew 800% the first year it came out. So worldwide, we taught eight times more students than we did the year before. Because now it was available to everybody, juniors, college club players, like it didn't matter, made no difference at all. And so, and they were, and they were putting better and, and we saw performance go up. So even people who were doing it wrong or not doing it optimally, were still putting better. That's what kind of blew my mind is you don't even have to do it right to improve. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. I was recruiting collegially and I saw many versions of Aimpoint out there. Yeah. As I'm watching, I'm like, well, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but they're still making putts and they're still being recruited nationally. Yeah. It's working for them. They did have a system. I don't know exactly what the system was, but they had a system. Oh, I've seen, I've seen a few out there. I'm watching going, I have no idea what they're doing. They're, they seem to be using Aimpoint, but I have literally have no idea what they're doing. And, you know, and the thing is like, even, a, even using a system incorrectly is better than no system. Yeah, that's the biggest thing it taught me is because people generally don't know how to read greens. Even good, even good college players generally with no system at all are not consistently good at reading greens. The vast majority, no question about it. And so we're just, you know, the whole thing with Express is you're dialing in your your margin of error to a very small amount. And the better you get at Express, and the more correctly you do Express, the more that margin of error gets really, really small. Um, so, so, you know, I, I don't teach anything else other than that. I mean, I still, I still know how to do all the old reads and the break lines and the charts and, the, and, the, um, and everything, but I, I don't teach it to anybody because the reality is once somebody does aim point correctly, they don't need all that other stuff. It's just fluff. Yeah. You're, you're getting into the weeds of like, again, you know, I don't, I don't ask Nike or uh, Tyler's exactly what metal they use and why they grind it a certain way. I just accept the fact that they have engineers that are creating the best product in my hand to do what I need to do. You know, so I think yeah. a lot of times, again, if you're good at an express, you don't need 
you don't need the physics behind it. You just need to know, can I feel a slope? Can I project what I think this image is going to look like and go make putts? Yeah. And I have concerns now because, you know, people are, you know, I, I hate seeing people read, read their putts just off the green books. I hate, 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 hate it. And I know people disagree with on me that with me on that, but, but I, I don't see people get better from that. Yeah. You know, they're, it's so unnatural and the numbers can be wrong. I've seen some scans that were screwed up. They're getting better and better, but you don't know exactly where your ball is. You don't know exactly where the hole is. Um, you're not feeling the putt. You're not getting that sensory input, but I do see people much more willing to do that these days. And then also, you know, I've, I've got that, you know, the, um, a tabular break chart that I very reluctantly have given out to a number of players, which shows you the break, you know, inside 10 feet kind of foot by foot. And some players love it, but I, I do it very reluctantly because I find that they get too mechanical and too digital about it. And, you know, the minute you're downhill, the, the break changes a little bit, you know, yeah. you got to play more break that's on there. And so I always get worried that when they get too into the numbers, they, they kind of lose the ability to be athletic. And so, you know, I've, I've reluctant, like people love getting that chart, but I literally, I've, I've so reluctantly sent it to a few people only if they ask, and I might change that. Um, we might just release and let people do what they want to do with it. But, you know, people always ask me why I don't really put it out there more. And it's because, well, because I, I don't see a lot of improvement from it, frankly. Yeah. You know? Which I think that, again, I think this is the most exciting or the interesting part about golf and how to get better. It's all about performance. What can I learn and take to the golf course and make me better? I think, again, I think a lot of instruction nowadays, they get so kind of dumbfounded by I need to, provide complexity and create worth as a coach. And this is kind of me, my perception of coaching for a lot of people out there. I'm trying to make my, my gift to the player and, and make it complex and make it very difficult. Um, and instead of trying to simplify and, and really saying, do they perform better? So I think kind of what you said, Mark, is that complexity of adding charts, of going back to more of the walking inflection points, finding fall lines, trying to go back to more complex, more difficulty puts more emphasis on the player being the needing a coach opposed to us as coaches saying, I'm going to teach you the skills you need to go perform. And once you have it, just go do it. You might need me every yeah. once in a while, but you don't need me every week. And I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm old and jaded, which I am old and I am jaded. Crotchety. Uh, but again, I, I really think that a lot of coaches out there bring that complexity and that difficulty into the player just to, for worth you know, to be held around week by week if you're working with tour players or, or trying to get more clientele come in week by week at the club. And again, to, you know, kind of us, and you, if you use GameForge, you know this, we're all about trying to give you the answer and performance and go do it. We, you know, we don't need the, the, the shine. We just want the players to go perform. So I, I think the neatest thing about Aimpoint, and what are your kind of thoughts? Uh, when you learn Aimpoint, where do you see growth the fastest? And where do you see growth kind of slowly improve? Like, you know, kind of the, the, the miracle cure once, once I actually do uh, aim point, where am I going to see growth immediately and where I see growth over time? Uh, well, the biggest thing with aim point is you can get your reads really good, really fast. You know what I mean? And then what people realize immediately is, can you hit your line or not? You know, most good players are pretty good at hitting their line. Um, and what you realize most are, once they know aim point, once their targets are good, their line's pretty good. Uh, most are misses or speed misses. Yeah. You know, so with a good player, we, we end up doing a lot of speed training after we do aim point because that's causing the majority of the misses. We'll go do game forge assessments and we'll count up, you know, what it, what's causing your misses. What's the number one cause your miss? And almost without fail with a high level player at speed, 
Um, and that, and that definitely takes time. That's not a, that's not an on switch where your speed gets good. That takes everyday practice. That takes commitment to getting better at speed. That takes understanding the speed concepts pretty well. Um, and so for me, the, for me, the read is pretty straightforward. You can get, you can work on the line, but there, you know, there might be some mechanics issues that have to be sorted out. Um, but speed is a long-term, you know, yeah. no question about it. Read, read is not that difficult. You can certainly chip away and get better and better over time with it, but you can get 85% of your read accurate, you know, after a couple hours. Um, and then you just got to go learn how to use it, learn how to, um, understand if your speed is bad. Why is it bad? Is it, is it how you move the putter? Is it your acceleration? Is it inconsistent contact? Is it wrong concepts? Like trying to hit everything past the hole at 60 feet, you know, like just ridiculous concepts like that, which I see a lot. And you just have to pick through it, you know, with a coach, hopefully with a coach, you work through and say, what's preventing me from being a better speed player. Yeah. And, and I think that the fascinating too, if you look at performance, kind of what I've learned with through the collegian that I taught or even coached for years, and then even touring professionals and everything and amateurs is I really see growth on short putts because again, what we talk about is getting the read, right. Right. They're really confident. This thing's breaking, you know, I'm aiming at half inch out, whatever it is. I get that feel right. And then they start making a bunch of short putts. And I also see long putts. Um, they're playing the right amount of break because, again, you've learned read that three putts really start to dwindle. So I think the two bookends of short putts and three putts tend to get better fast. Yep. Yep, that I middle agree. zone, which we, we talk about in, in Game Forge and everything else, is that middle zone, that 9 to 20. Um, that growth is a little bit slower inside of aim point, but that's just the fact that all your pieces have to work together. Speed is important, read, yep. uh, start line, all those pieces. But I think – the fascinating part about aim point, and I think the coolest thing for me as a coach is when a player puts the ball, I know where they're aiming. I know what the aim is supposed to do. You can kind of back your way into what just happened. Why did I make it? Why did I miss yeah. it? Well, in the old days, you know, in the old days, you got to watch, put, you know, coaches on the putting green watching the player putt and the player would putt and miss and the coach would be like, well, change of grip. Yeah, You know, and I'm like, you don't even know where, what he was trying to hit that. Like, how do you know? You've got to know what his target was to, to diagnose a putt. Like, if you don't know, you've got to know what their target was. So the first question I was asked is, where are you trying to hit it? Yeah. Right? And if the target's bad, I don't care about anything else. That you, you, you misread the putt. Full stop, right? If they say, well, I'm trying to hit it two inches out and they hit it inside left, okay, well, your alignment's bad or your, or your line's off. You know? And then speed is always pretty obvious whether the speed's bad. But – but you, as a coach diagnosing putting, you have to know where they're trying to hit the ball. And you have to know whether that's a good read or not. You can't just be guessing. It's like being on the range and saying, oh, you just hit it. You know, you're aiming at that. You don't know where they're aiming. Going, Oh, your swing needs to be changed. Well, again, I think that's the hardest part on, uh, you know, with the pros and, and, and greens and, and a lot of assumptions that a lot of these people make off the tours. We don't know where they're aiming. They're saying, well, they're right. so far from a hole. Well, I don't know where they're aiming. They could be aiming there. That could have been the perfect shot. But, you know, no, now they're 30 feet from the hole. Well, maybe that's kind of their plan. So I think, again, if you don't know where you're going, you really can't make assumptions. So same thing with golf. Like, I think in putting, is, it's really fascinating. Uh, I think the technique hounds are always going to be there. Yeah. Technique, technique trumps everything. Um, I think, again, to be a good putter, you got to have the read first. If you have the read, then you get speed. If you get those two working – then the start line piece kind of fixes itself or over time you might need some adjustment, but it, it kind of, it kind of takes care of itself where I think, you know, the, the, the paradigm right now is technique, technique, technique. And then what? 
<laughs> well, and, and, and I've, I've said this many times and mathematically it's provable that if, if you have a bad read and bad technique, you'll make more putts than if you have a bad read and perfect technique. Yep. So, so I get people coming and saying, well, I'm not going to do aim point. I'm not going to learn how to read greens until my, my stroke is where I want it. And the answer is, okay, fine, but you're actually going to putt worse. You're going to degrade because if you hit it better and better on the wrong line, you're going to miss more and more often. When you have a bad read and a bad stroke, sometimes they cancel each other out. But imagine taking, you know, your perfect putter and rolling it at the wrong read all day. Nothing will go in the hole, yeah. you know? And so you've got to start with a good target and then work your stroke around a good target rather than just saying, I want to look pretty on a, on a Sam Putt Lab report. Yeah. And again, I think, like I said, I think, the paradigm is really that. And I think it's shifted here over the last couple of years. Uh, I think aim point has been a big factor in, in kind of moving that paradigm over. But, but again, I, every golf course I ever go to anywhere in the world, I sit on the putting green and I watch lessons and yeah, unless they're an aim point instructor, every lesson is pretty much the same stance, grip, technique, yeah. path, set up, set up, just, it's the same thing. And you're just yeah. like, you're, you know, some might be getting better, but the majority of players, you're just, you know, it's just it's what it is. Spinning your wheels. <laughs> it's just what it is. Um, yep. Gosh, we we're blowing through time. Not, I didn't even cover half the stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, um, we'll, we'll pick this up on. Uh, we'll pick this up again next couple. Yeah, of days, perfect. Huh? So before we shut it down, give me your best positive teaching story, aim point, and negative story, aim point, and not negative, but like you know where you could have helped a player better. Or something along that lines, and then uh, we'll wind it down with that. You can give names or don't. We don't mind. No, I'm not giving names unless it's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that you know the 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 best aim point story is when you have a player that comes to you, uh, and this happened a couple times. They are great ball strikers. They've got good putting mechanics. They have good speed, and they literally just had, have no clue where to hit it. And all you have to do is give them a good read, and they're off to the races. Um, and I've had a few tour players like that and they've gone from no wins to double digit wins in two or three years, you know, because all the other pieces were working. So that's kind of an easy, that's a layup, right? Because it's not like you're have to, it's not like you have to fix the read and fix some stroke issues and develop their speed and their head. Um, you can, you can just fix plug one hole and, and they're off to the races and that's, and that's happened. That's great when that happens and you can kind of see it coming, frankly. Um, the worst stories I would say is when you get somebody who just, pushes back and pushes back, you know, I, you know, every once in a while you get a player who says, well, you know, what if I'm, you know, 12.5 feet from the hole rather than 12 feet from the hole, or what if the greens 11.2 versus 11.0 and they just get so wound up into the nitty gritties that you just want to bang your head in a wall and walk off, frankly. <laughs> oh, actually that's, that's one of the worst. The, the other worst, the other one, which I have to mention, I will not mention names. When a player uses aim point, their putting stats go through the roof in the right direction. And then six months later they quit because they just don't feel like doing it anymore. And their putting goes back to crap. And I've seen that happen more than you would think. There's, I know there's one over the pond somewhere that did that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's more than one, but there's a couple <laughs> famous ones. But, uh, well, I, I think, like I said, we'll, uh, if everyone likes this, we can definitely follow up with the second part. I have about nine or ten more questions. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, we'll do this again. And uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us in the hunt this week. Uh, like I said, keep giving us information. This was really driven by a couple coaches asking more about Aimpoint and how to do read and understanding read inside of training. So thank everybody for your time. Thank you for joining the hunt. And uh, we look forward to bringing you more episodes in the upcoming days.